Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Lure, and I'm excited to catch up with my old buddy and fellow entrepreneur, Mr. Andrea Radrizani, catching him here in Milan, walking around the streets of Milan. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Hi, Marcus. Nice to talk to you again. Long time I don't see you, but it's always a great pleasure. Remind the, the good time we had together. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, you know, hopefully we'll capture some of that here in our conversation for the next hour on A, your, of course, amazing career, B, you know, the times when we connected and, uh, you know, and, and we're doing similar things. Now, for everyone who might not recognize your name right away, uh, let me just kind of do a quick intro, and I'm sure most people then would recognize you from one part of your career. Many, and of course, the sports industry or sports marketing industry would know you from your MP Silva days um, as a co-founder and the CEO there for many years, and obviously we're going to touch on that. And then maybe fans or others would obviously recognize you as current chairman of Leeds United, um, and of course, we'll be touching on that as well. And then, of course, there are several other stops in between or other things you're currently doing uh, with your other companies from Acer, etc. So let's get right in there. And as we always do, we kind of start a bit at the beginning, how it all started. Um, and obviously, you came out of college and you ended up working for MP, uh, not MP Silver, sorry, MP <laughs> Media Partners at the time. Um, tell us a bit about it, how that all started and, uh, you know, what was your first role with MP Web, as they called it? Uh, yes, correct, actually. It was, um, I started uh, after university in uh, Media Partners, um, which was setting up new companies, new division into the internet and digital world. At the time, we're talking about 99, 2000. We were really the first, uh, the first mover into um, Exploit into the exploitation of uh, digital rights. So I remember we were doing live streaming uh, with uh, of basketball game, winter sport like FIS, work, skiing, alpine skiing, and snowboarding, World Cup, and then we started with Italian soccer, Italian football, and uh, you could not even see the balls most of the time because the, we were talking about a 56 uh, kilobit per second bandwidth. So comparing to now we're moving with uh, megas, and um, so it was really the first first time we were companies were moving into the digitalization and live streaming of sporting events. So it was a, a great experience. And beside that, also, we set up a lot of uh, digital project managing uh, sports website, like football clubs like AC Milan or other clubs, uh, football club, but also uh, a partnership, I remember, with uh, Eurosport on the winter sports. So a lot of different projects on, um, on sports uh, with news, uh, data, uh, and video. So what actually now today, every day, we are consuming at the time, we were really the, the first mover in that. Right. Yeah, and, and obviously, exciting time to, to get into the industry in the in the in those early days. Um, remind me of the the founder of uh, Media Partners at the time, um, the gentleman who's unfortunately has passed away. I'm just uh, blanking out on his name right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, we when uh, the first man I met actually was uh, doing a conference, and uh, thanks to him, I got the opportunity to enter in the in the business. Is Rodolfo was Rodolfo Act. Rodolfo, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago, and uh, he was a visionary. He was the man that wanted to create the, the famous Super League project around the European football. Okay. Um, so I had, I had the pleasure then to, over the time, to become also a friend of his, uh, of him, and, uh, and so I was very proud to, 
to have the opportunity to work with him. But more, also another very charismatic um, figure and, and a fantastic entrepreneur and visionary uh, of media partners was um, Marco Bogarelli. Yeah, yeah Marco, that's the one I'm thinking pa- of. Passed away, yeah, yeah, passed away, and he was the uh, the leader of the the agency and the leader of uh, um, for many years of Italian sports rights in terms of football, but also he was the first pioneer to put together and bundle all the alpine and uh, snowboarding and all the FIS rights from individual federation to the a common uh, joint project under the World Cup, FIS World Cup. So he was uh, he did a lot in basketball. He was the first to bring NBA in, in Italy and many other projects. So I, I learned a lot from him and uh, he was very charismatic, enthusiastic and a super active entrepreneur. And which I, I remember, and I have now the pleasure to work with his daughter, um, Beatrice, that he works in our companies, in our group, and she's also brilliant. And oh, okay. I'm, I'm happy that she's part of us. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice story. Now, how did you end up in Asia then? Um, you obviously came here again as a representative of Media Partners. Uh, I think you landed in Shanghai there in, in 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how I did remember, that come about? Like, yes, I remember like yesterday our first meeting in my office in Shanghai in 2004. You yeah, were at the time, time of Fantasia. Yeah, and I was um, a big guy. I, 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 create, I started to, I was very ambitious. So I started to, to distribute and sell uh, uh, digital rights, internet rights, mobile rights of Serie A in China and Japan. And uh, I remember the first trip I did to Shanghai, I came back with a desire and ambition to, to come back and set up an operation and office, uh, anticipating the, the potential uh, expansion of Chinese market into sports and media. Right. And so I, I worked very hard to convince everybody uh, that the new revenue I would, the revenue stream I would create from Japan could pay me um, an office and a new setup uh, of the branch in Asia. So we set up MP Asia out of Shanghai and uh, I spent two years in Shanghai. Uh, it was fantastic, very difficult to be honest, but I learned a lot. And uh, you know how China is not easy, especially that yeah. time. And uh, not many people were speaking English. My English was not even that good, maybe still not that good. But <laughs> I managed to do great business in China, work with a um, local media company, and then uh, a lot in Japan. In those years, I was actually leading the, um, the distribution of digital rights of Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, all the major football league at the time. I'm talking about 2003, 2004, 2005. Um, 2005, I moved to Tokyo. I left Media Partners and uh, I started to work by, by myself. And I was doing distribution of these digital rights across all the telecom in, uh, in Japan, Manoli, also Indonesia, Hong Kong, Thailand. So it was a great... Um, a great phase of my life. Hard, a lot of work, <laughs> and yep. uh, not stop working, but um, also good fun, great relationship that I, I keep still now in my life, and uh, good friendship. So uh, fantastic memories of, uh, of that time. Yeah, it's Asia has been a starting point for many here. Now, obviously then, you know, when as you just mentioned, you sort of, you know, started working on your own um, and then you partnered up with Ricardo. Um, and that's how, of course, MP and Silva then came about. So let, let's switch over there. Um, how did that start and what was sort of the first yeah. projects you guys were working on? I remember very well what happened because uh, I, when I left uh, Italy to Asia, I had a dream. I wanted to become the, the guy managing Italian Serie A um, rights distribution. And um, thank God I have achieved much more than that. So I'm very grateful. But I remember that at a certain point, 
I I I decided to to tie my luck my luck and go uh, and chase a, a job for distribution of serial rights. So mm-hmm. I approach uh, uh, Sport Five at the time and right trade that used to be the rights holder of Serie A okay. uh, international rights. And um, I remember I came to Kuala Lumpur where you used to live, mm-hmm. and uh, I did an interview with uh, Robert Miller from Sport Five, okay. uh, pushed also by Massimo Migani from Rai right. to to have a job and, and be in charge of the sales for them in Asia. And then. Uh, when it was it was coming okay so i was in this conversation and then same time it was uh, i came back to in italy for christmas period and uh, i met with ricardo silva i said because he was my previous boss and my friend so i said listen i i i'm going to probably work for for sport five because this is my dream i want to do this uh, unless you want to do it yourself and then uh, if you want to invest and do it yourself then obviously i do it with you and then he said okay give me some time and uh, after Christmas holiday came back from Brazil and we met and said, okay, I decided that we go for it and um, uh, I will invest to buy the first team. So we started to Ricardo personal um, uh, wealth, uh, family wealth. We started to buy the, the right. team coming from second division yeah, no? okay. and, uh, and push the team to have Japanese player because I was living in Japan and I was selling the rights in Japan. So okay. I bought, I remember, two clubs, Fiorentina and Messina. Uh, we have a Japanese player in those clubs, like Hidetoshi uh, Nakata, a very famous, popular Japanese player mm-hmm. in Fiorentina, another one in, in Messina. And uh, I was living in Japan, and I was selling the rights. Uh, and uh, that's how it started. And, um, okay. and then um, uh, we were very passionate. It was really fun. I remember Ricardo calling me from the master control room during the game because uh, I, I was in Japan. I was checking the, the camera switching on. On, on the zoom on Nakata, so we have a spe- dedicated camera on on Nakata. Uh-huh. So it was it was fun. We were really really passionate, and uh, we start to work with Japanese broadcaster. And then uh, Ricardo, uh, the following years, acquired more team coming from second division. But I think the game changer was uh, in 2007 when um, he, he managed to buy the rights of the top clubs like you, uh, Inter, AC Milan, Roma, so the top top clubs. Um, and, and we ended up to have a package of 10 teams, including the top teams. So, yeah, let me just uh, jump in, that, in there for a second, uh, Andrea. Yeah. So at that time, the league was not sold as a bundle. The, certain no, clubs were no. selling it individually, is it? Yeah, only right. like uh, right now Portugal, the only county probably left uh, which sell individually. Yeah. Right. So every club was uh, entitled to sell his own rights individually. Ah, right. Yes. Okay. okay, I have to admit, I don't remember that part even. Right, okay. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was not Plus, a unfortunately, it passed a lot of time. Unfortunately, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay, yeah. so you guys and, started um, to buy individual club rights uh, yes, for their home yes, matches yes, yes. and then would basically package Correct. it up and sell it off there to Japan and others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that. Yeah, in that uh, that period, that phase uh, in 2007, uh, and uh, Ricardo. Uh, so at that time, I was a consultant for him, uh, taking care of Asia, mm-hmm. and uh, he was acquiring the rights, and I was uh, selling in Asia, which was our main market. Also because we we put Japanese player in, in the clubs. Right. And uh, I remember that uh, specific cycle. That was a game changer, also for my life, because um, I made a big deal with Dentsu for all Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, a good deal, a good partnership, and uh, rather than be paid like uh, a, a, my my own commission for that deal, I asked Ricardo, "Okay, let's uh, let's put the same money that you owe me for for this uh, job 
in, in a new company and we own this company together, 50-50. And that's how we set up MP Silva out of Singapore. Um, and, and then when I started in, in Singapore, the new agency, MP Silva, which uh, then bought many other rights and, and became bigger and global. But the Seria project started from his own uh, investment and I was basically a, a partner to market, the, to sell the rights. Right. Yeah, I think you mentioned that last time that so it was always yeah. separate, a separate company. Uh, yes, some of those exactly. rights were not yes. sitting in MP, right? Yeah, which I have to admit, yes. I'm not sure I ever realized that previously, but uh, that's interesting. So now now here we got MP and Silva, obviously, uh, you know, carrying Ricardo's name. MP, I guess it's sort of the legacy from MP, uh, yes. the media partner right. side of it as a acknowledgement yes. there. Uh, you yes. know, not sure where that name, you know, why was MP still there? Was it just, you know, was it, how, how why would Look, you when we, when that? we decided to open, when we uh, decided to open the company, the agency together in seeing out of Singapore, I was managing the business. Um, at the end, I didn't really, I was so excited to have my own company. I didn't really care about the name. We talk and he, he, he want, we wanted to have a legacy to let people in the market remember we were the guys from Media Partners, okay. so we kept okay. the, the, the two letters MP. Ricardo wanted to have his name. I was I didn't care at the time. I mean, maybe going back uh, now, I wouldn't do it because it would not be fair uh, as, the, as the company was 50-50. But in that time, I honestly didn't care. And but but totally I'm glad you didn't me. because with your last name, I think it would have we would have all struggled to yeah, pronounce exactly, this properly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Maybe that was a good idea. MP is a little but, easier but, to pronounce and remember. But to be honest, it was a, it was it was a fantastic um, partnership uh, between two of us and a fantastic friendship as well with between us and also the management we had a great time we built the company to under my leadership as a ceo uh, with um, working with seven, over 70 rights holder partnership so out of football like premier league la liga la liga uefa fifa so but also nba in, in mlb in tennis we bought we were the first agency buying uh, European rights in Europe for with, with, in a tennis uh, Grand Slam mm -hmm. with Roland Garros in 2012. So I I achieved a lot yeah, and I, mean, I enjoy you... really really a lot. Yeah, I, I we are almost uh, um, reach about billion dollar revenue almost. Mm. Right. Yeah, let's talk a little more, go a little, a little more in detail on on MP Silva because because anyone who's been to Sportel, which is obviously just around the corner again this year coming up, uh, finally again after COVID, um, you know, would know who you guys are. Uh, would have been to your parties, would have seen your huge catalog, uh, you know, which just added an extra ten kilos to your luggage going home. Uh, you know, you guys were you 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 were big. You were all where you were everywhere. Um, you had a massive portfolio. Uh, just talk a bit about it, how you got from, you know, the first deals, which may be very Asian focused, as you described already, um, also being based out of Singapore. And then, of course, eventually becoming truly a global agency and operating and selling rides all around the world. Uh, you know, what was sort of the key moments there um, yeah. you know, across those years? Yeah, well, I mean, we had uh, focus our strategy on, uh, on football, first of all, because uh, football is the the only global properties, the oldest property and the property that is really premium, but also um, generate obviously a huge audience and uh, and demand. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, we we always maybe pay a premium for that, but we always deliver a result. So 
uh, still now I believe that it works very well with premium content like uh, Premier League or Champions League. Uh, the, the, the price still going in most of the market, but they still deliver. Uh, so at the end, um, uh, our our core strategy was to focus on football. Also because um, football was uh, sold in a process where the relationship and the past and the legacy was less important than the money. So if we put more money, even if we were the new at the table, if we put more money, we could win against uh, uh, previous um, competitor and big agency like Sport5 or IMG. So uh, that's, I think, what was uh, spot on in our strategy. So to pay more, get the right and get the credibility out of this, uh, this first project on football. To do that, you need a specific know-how and spend time in each territory. So we, we at the time, I think we changed the approach to don't sit in an office out of uh, Rome or Milan or London and sell the rights. Uh, I'm just saying, like, for example, and, say, and selling the rights across every single market in Europe. But we changed the approach to a very, very, very local presence, particularly right. in, my, in new markets, emerging markets and growing markets like uh, Asia Pacific, where I was based. Uh, but generally, that's what we have done uh, across all, all the world. At the end, we ended up to have 21 offices. And we knew a lot of markets very well because of the presence. Right. And I think this was uh, one of, yeah, this was very important mm. uh, in our success. Yeah, and, and sort of that's sort of really what TSA also used to do, right? I mean, we, we always yeah. had a, you know, our, most of our relations started with the media rights. And then we went beyond that, right? Whether it's sponsorship, whether it's bringing events in or creating other, you know, activities, which would either generate revenue or as an example of WWE, we brought tours into Asia and the tours weren't necessarily that, that successful, yeah. profitable necessarily. Right? They made, maybe they just made their money back, but rights fees then in in TV or, you know, additional sponsorship deals just came out of it because all of a sudden the, 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 the athletes, the, the wrestlers are on, in the, on the ground, right? The same as why football clubs travel all around the world. It isn't just because the matches can make money, but because it becomes a huge marketing, you know, trick, right? And now the NBA, the NFL is coming to Europe. Everyone is doing it, right? And that's the same old trick. Obviously, you started, you mentioned it earlier already, what you did was uh, at the very early days with the Italian clubs in Japan, right? And, and that trick works um, still today. Yeah, it's a, yeah. No, it's. I think Good it's time. interesting to compare those notes. Absolutely. Um, now, I remember you did at one point in time. You guys did a huge deal with the Premier League, which maybe was one of the biggest ones right you had out there. Um, just share some numbers on that. The Premier League, as I mentioned before, our relationship. My first deal was in two thousand and nine, uh, only for Vietnam, and then over the time. Uh, we build more and more portfolio on football as an agency. We start to work a lot with La Liga, with Ligon, with Serie A, Bundesliga. Obviously, Premier League also was uh, extremely important because, uh, especially in Asia Pacific, was uh, a, a, still a, a driver for subscription and uh, is what the platform needs and wants. So we start to acquire more and more and becoming a gatekeeper, then to split the rights into different packages. I remember in Indonesia, for example, we approached the market with three different packages, with uh, uh, including Premier League, but also FA Cup and all the other European leagues. So we have a, a massive volume of football live every single weekend, mm. and we could uh, exploit this by by budget of the partner, not pushing the exclusivity of the of the property, but just uh, creating the package that the, the each partner could uh, could support. Was that one yeah. point in time you had like fifty territories or something like that across the world? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, consider these uh, tw about twenty six of these alpha were 
including the main region, so Middle East. Right, okay. Uh, but yes, okay, we so were at that, that point. Deal, we, that was be in at the but, time? or Yeah, but at that point, we were probably uh, the biggest or second business, biggest, probably the biggest client of Premier League with uh, um, an investment of about half a billion. Mm. Uh, in Premier League, right? Yeah, so it was a it was a massive project. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about your relationship with BN, um, uh, because I remember that you guys always were had quite a strong relationship, right? You did a lot of deals with them in the Middle East first, and then, of course, as BN spread its wings around the world, I think you guys, as what I recall, at least, were always reasonably close to each other. So, how did that come about? Where, where did that did that come from? Was it your relationship no, or Ricardo's? No, not both, but I think both. But in my relationship with Bean started uh, back in 2008, at the early beginning of the agency in Singapore, uh, when I was uh, actively buying uh, rights from um, uh, local football federation for the qualifier of the World Cup. So, mm -hmm. for example, game in uh, uh, Kuwait, Iraq, and this kind of Middle Eastern country, we were buying, or Malaysia, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everywhere, Asia Pacific and Middle East. Yep. Uh, the federation member of AFC were selling individually the right, rights. Right. So we were buying these rights and as well being and was active in buying these rights. So at a certain point, we started to work together because we were interested more in the Asian market and they were interested more in the Middle Eastern market. So we started to swap rights. It was a pure commercial partnership uh, from what it concerned me. Then Ricardo, in the meantime, developed a very good relationship with uh, with being selling Syria and is uh, a uh, Basically, the, the the single or maybe another, he had only one or two markets that he was managing directly, and the Middle East was one. Um, and uh, so that was the relation. To be honest, I still have conserved a great relationship, a great friendship with uh, being management and, uh, and and the key executive. Uh, but I don't work much with them so for a long time. So, but. We have, we have a very good friendship. Right, right. Uh, that, that's a good message years, too, right? You know, friendship turns into business uh, in, in your case here. And, and that's sort of where, you know, that's a yeah, but for we example, learn the, from people. We, we, I haven't worked with them personally for, for a long time, but we're still good friends. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. Now, you know, we always like to talk a bit about what didn't work, right? And and I'm not going to even right now go straight into the, the, the investor side of it there. But, you know, what are the, some learnings you could share on with MP and Silva over those years, which, you know, you would have done differently now knowing what happened and or, you know, a lesson you learned from it? Uh, so so let's, let's talk a bit about and that. I feel, I, feel very, <laughs> I feel very sad when I think about that because yeah. I know what it meant to me and um, what it meant to my fellows, my buddies, my close friends, like uh, Cho in Japan, Beatrice in Singapore, and all the people that work with me closely, we were like a family. Yeah. I, I, you remember, you you were the same in KTSA. It was a phase where we were really, ex there was so much excitement about, around our business, and we were young and had fun, so these memories forever. Absolutely. So I have a regret that we, we couldn't, we couldn't, go to the next level because the company had the foundation to do it. It was very profitable, it had big volume. It just needed to go into other division of the business. Yeah. No, that's a, that's great to hear. And so so you you left MP um sort of partially as you mentioned because you know you felt there there was a certain direction of the company wasn't anymore what you got excited over uh, started your own business and then a few years later I think it's around 2016 now when then the deal is done with the the Chinese groups 
Everbright and, uh, you know, Baofeng. Now, nice. let's talk about the good side of it. And that means a very big chunk of money uh, changed hands here um, with a billion dollar valuation. Um, and I guess the Chinese bought, what, sort of 60% or something in that sort of ballpark. So we're talking, you know, 600, 700 million dollars here uh, or pounds or whatever the currency was. Um, huge chunks of money um, as a, you know, major shareholder, you in the back of it, obviously end up with a big chunk of it. So that's a life changing deal for anyone, uh, for any entrepreneur, for any any businessman around the world, exciting thing to do. Talk a bit about it. Talk about the you know the emotions you had and the feelings uh, you know once the deal came through. Look, first I had a, a, a big uh, uh, sense of achievement. Not for the first time, I felt I achieved something big. So there is the outcome of many years of our work, sacrificed myself, sacrificing the family, uh, traveling so much. Uh, it was rewarded, and um, and that gave me really good um, good satisfaction. So that was for sure one part of the part of the outcome. And then also on the other side is um, you sit on uh, obviously a good amount of money, and uh, you're still young. And you want to do I'm a I'm a doer, I'm a builder, and uh, so fantastic. Let's do more. So I launched eleven like uh, like uh, almost like an, an unwanted baby. And it gave me a lot of problem initially because it was a new business for me, a difficult business, a very competitive business, and and uh, uh, that consume also require a lot of cash and investment. Yes. So uh, that started even before the sale of the of the of the business of MPC. Um, so I never really stopped. I never stopped. Right. And that's kind of my journey all the time from yeah. university. Even before university, I never stopped. Yeah. I keep going. Um, so. I started 11, then uh, the sale arrived, so I got cash and uh, I want to do more. And I remember at the beginning, I, I start, I had 11 and also invested in Leeds United in 2017-18. So it was a bit messy, you know, because uh, I had a clear vision that I want to create an investment platform focused on, uh, which is Ace Ventures, focused on media, sports and technology. But the people around me, Obviously, it was a bit nervous and stressed because everything was coming together at the same time. And it's not easy to, to build uh, these businesses and, and do difficult projects like those mm. together. You know? right. So uh, initially, the first years, I remember, now we look back, we laugh and we are happy. With everything has gone, thank God, uh, well and successfully. But we had a lot of stress initially in those years. And especially the people around me that could not, Understand and see clearly the vision I had in my mind. No, because and there was a lot of things all new all together. Normal, mm. Normally, everyone else would maybe do more rationally and in a longer period of time. Um, so to launch a, a new sports uh, channel, a new sports media company in multiple territories, in difficult market like Poland, Belgium, Portugal, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan, and then together also buy a football club that is second division. You need to. Um, reset it, relaunch it, revamp it is is challenging. <laughs> it's challenging. So it has been challenging, but now we are looking back and we are very happy. We are very satisfied. We have proven that we are able to. Uh, myself, my management, everybody involved have proven that we we can create value, and we see now that finally the vision to become a, a platform for investment is 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 real. It's concrete, and we receive uh, interest and we receive. Uh, funds from other parties. So we have a partner like Corum in, in, in Edge Fund in Texas. We have partners like 49ers, NFL 
franchisee that invested with us in Leeds. And we are now exploring and discussing new investors for new projects. So uh, we are finally well positioned in the industry of uh, sports media investment, which was my goal since uh, the, the beginning of its adventures. Yeah, great. I like that. A nice quick summary there. And, and we're going to go a little more into detail on some of those pieces here, um, especially, of course, the recent sales of uh, Eleven Sports. Uh, I'd love to hear a bit about it. And of course, then we go a bit more into leads as well. Uh, but I, know, I think everyone will, will want me to ask, um, you know, your opinion on what happened then after the Chinese bought MP Silver and, you know, what went wrong? Uh, what can you say or allowed to say or what can you share? I don't know exactly what went wrong, but for sure, uh, a lot of things went wrong because a company that is profitable in a few years uh, going bankrupt, yeah, there is some some uh, some mistake something, for sure. And, and uh, that's for sure. Ricardo also offer offer uh, himself to fund and save the business in the very late stage, but he couldn't he couldn't be listening, he couldn't do it. So it's very sad. It's very sad for me, but. Uh, I don't know who is the responsible, and uh, I don't care. I'm focused on the new life I have, and uh, shame. I lost some money, but it doesn't matter. I'm doing something else, and I, I will, I'm, my new business is... Uh, learn something. Uh, I have a good... Yes, yes. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the, the the more recent activity here, which is another sale, uh, which from t tens and purpose looks like has gone well. And that is after you build 11 sports and you've, you know, we'll, we should talk a little more about it. The Again, you, you mentioned already, you, you were obviously buying media rights, you're creating a platform. Later on, you merged with Whistle, uh, which is on the social media side of it. And, you know, I had uh, the founder on here as well. So, you know, again, you guys, again, you build an interesting platform that's called an OTT combination of other things uh, at the beginning and maybe that word isn't as used anymore now but uh, you know just just share a little bit you know the, the what was the strategy because you guys went a, a very interesting route right you kind of picked individual territories whether it's Belgium or Poland yeah. or Portugal or Taiwan just a few of which I can remember um, yeah. Where you know you went in there, which are not your obvious. Right? That's not Germany, UK, Italy, or whatever. Um, no. You know, what was the strategy there? Yeah, the strategy was clear to enter in market, secondary market, second tier market, where we could be a leading sports media company, right? Which means uh, channels and pla and OTT platform, both of them. But in market where we uh, the investment to become the leading player. Is lower or around 100 million, um, and market like uh, um, where the, the big guys or the big giant company uh, didn't arrive yet or they're not performing yet. So we identified two markets where we could enter, and uh, we did with a lot of resistance from the current player in the market initially. But over the time, we turned it um, in good relationship and success with the people too. I, I can tell Paul and Belgium and Portugal have been fantastic in history for our business. And yeah. uh, I think 11 started as a broadcaster but an OTT platform and, and focused on this market. Then over the time, I think it was very strategic in the last year to decide to um, initially my Pujo as the OTT platform uh, dedicated right. and focused to the long tail. To the, uh, now, for example, my Pujo as a my future became 11sports.com. 11sports.com is a strategic financial with FIFA Plus, which delivers over 40,000 games of football yeah, and working with all football federations around the world. So 
um, we, we expand completely, we digitalize our business, uh, making a service for federation, for rights holder, and um, in a B2B2C model and creating a new audience, a new offer of content never available before. In the meantime, we are premium and we are very strong with uh, Premier League, Formula One and Champions League rights in our key market, second tier market. And, um, and then recently also the acquisition of Whistle uh, put our um, flag in the US and created an audience of uh, uh, about 600 million followers that Whistle reach uh, monthly with um, digital content. So it's a new arm, a new division of business that could could be extremely relevant, particularly with the, now the merger uh, of the, with the zone, because sure. it will become immediately much bigger. And the, the use of uh, the division of uh, content production and digital uh, branded content done by Wiso can become a new source of revenue and a new service for the zone and the right soldier. Yeah. And, and the numbers which are and, and you mentioned before and I, they're also I think sort of sort of publicly in the in the deal there you know, 300, 300 million dollars worth of revenue is what the company was doing uh, I think uh, I think last time when we spoke um, you sort of mentioned you know we, we were sort of on the cusp of, of uh, you know the company turning profitable after of course years of uh, maybe you know uh, building Um you know, again, the deal with the zone sounds a little bit like what you referred to earlier. Now you have a large legacy player who is maybe taking the company on and, and hopefully growing and building it further. Is that how you see the, the deal you just did? Yeah. I mean, the reason to we are happy and we are delighted to join the zone is because we, at the end, the, the, this, uh, this industry is more and more competitive and uh, you need volume and you need scale. Um, and I think the digitalization of this content distribution has brought this, uh, um, at the end will bring more, much more concentration of few players delivering the key content and the, and the premium content on global scale. So we want to be one of that. All, only with our resources, with our means, this would be impossible. So we believe that we can help and contribute this on uh, mission and becoming the, the main uh, sports destination for content. And, uh, and services and, and community. So I think we are we are very delighted to be part, and we have an active role. Cool. Well, look, I mean, let's hope uh, you know that, that that you know that story is obviously not uh, finished yet. Uh, we all watch the space. Um, you know, I started an OTT business here in Asia too, um, which we ran out of money after a few years. It is a really high. High stakes uh, poker game um, against incumbent, of course, uh, the big pay TV and other operators around the world, which are not going away. Um, that the new form, and that is why we started as well. I was convinced, as you were probably at the time, that OTT or you know what we would call OTT at the time, maybe now you call digital platforms, whatever, direct to consumer platforms, that that was the way to go, and I still believe it is. Um, but as as we both know, because that's what we used to do, the media rights are is an expensive space, um, you know, and they're sometimes short term, right? You only have it for a few years, and then you have to bid again. Mm -hmm. So, building a business around it is not as simple as it sounds like, right? I'm sure you, that's your experience as well, right? Being on both sides of the table. Idea, Mark, with that um, particular project, eleven started, as I said before, as a legacy with the, yeah, my yeah. previous life, in MP and Silva. So today I would never do again something like that to build from scratch a media company. <laughs> um, but 
But as investment company, at the end of the day, after six years, but um, obviously we, it's not now, but we're still, it's a new beginning for me. We're still involved and we are actually excited to be involved because I see a huge, tremendous opportunity for the zone to, to go. Uh, learning from mistakes also they, they've done in the past, but there is a, a solid uh, owner, a solid um, major shareholder, and uh, a good new management that is really uh, excited. And um, we, I believe a lot in this project, and I'm giving a lot of my time to help Shai, the chief executive, and all the management to make yeah. it successful. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, we got to obviously finish this whole conversation off with Leeds United, which is A, um, you are the executive chairman, which means you are the man on the top there. B, of course, you are you invested a lot of your money into it uh, to purchase the club and build it, obviously, to where it is now. So let's talk about it because, it, you know, again, it has plenty of great stories to it, um, as we already discussed last time. So... You know, where did it start? Where where did the dream of owning a football club come from? And how did Leeds show up on your radar? I, I still feel myself one of the, um, like every, every young boy, passionate, crazy about football. So mm -hmm. who dream to become a player and then uh, watch a lot of football. And then, uh, so I, I see myself with those, those eyes. And uh, obviously when um, I had the opportunity to invest in football, um, initially, I wanted to do a different project more based on developing of, of players. Then, when uh, suddenly I got this unexpected opportunity to learn about Leeds uh, and uh, understanding the, how Leeds was uh, popular back in the early 2000, it was the sixth biggest club in the world at uh, the time before he went bankrupt, he went down, relegated. Um, I, I was very attracted by the idea and the challenge to bring back this, uh, to awake this deep enjoyment. Yes. As, uh, uh, as uh, Kenny Douglas uh, suggests me in a lunch when it, the first time I heard about Leeds United. So um, I did it and uh, I think this is something I'm so proud and I'm so happy because um, the joy I, I, I with this project I could give to thousands of thousands of thousands of uh, fans of Leeds United and all the uh, is incredible. It's much better than any business project I ever done in my life. And uh, in that day of promotion, the, the only thing I really never thought was the, the business side. I was uh, really, really pleased and, and, and super happy to see the joy of these people and the fans. And uh, this yeah. for me is an amazing project that it will be always in my heart. Um, and also, even when I look as an investor, it's actually a good investment at the moment so right. all, all it turned around to be good but it's a difficult business very difficult <laughs> yeah let's talk a bit about that uh now again you when you bought it um you were playing champions uh, the champions league uh, not league the champion, championship championship sorry yes um and then it took you two i think about two seasons to bring him up um which again in itself is amazing and, and as fast as you can be but i think the uh, first the third, actually the third year the third year and you know and as usual it wasn't as simple as it sounds like right i think you had one season maybe that was the second one which i'm thinking of uh, where you almost made it and before then yeah. the next year you then finally made it up right you know now yes. again let's talk about that feeling of uh coming up before we later talk Ooh. about last year which obviously had a different feeling right um you know because you know that the champ the premier league is the big league right you know the amount of money then involved you know what it means in terms of value of the business or the, the club going up etc right so let's describe that a bit 
It is uh, it is very well documented uh, in the series Take Us Home on, on Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see the, those emotions transpiring by, by my expression, my eyes, and everything, and and, and my tears probably. It was a very really difficult moment, uh, but at the end, the um, at the end, um, it helped to to go. Probably we were not ready, and uh, when we achieved Premier League the following year, the team was more mature and, uh, and ready to stay. So at the end, you need to always believe in the process, and uh, and even when it, it, you are leaving some moment like that, you need to continue, don't leave the open, and continue to work hard. And that's what we did, and uh, the players were, came back uh, with the same motivation or even more to achieve. And uh, all the group deliver a better season the following season. So, but and that's, not, and that's not given, right? That sure. doesn't always happen, right? I mean, there's sometimes you know there there's you know people then leave, right? You know, you can't always keep yeah. all the top players yes. or the right people together, and you know that doesn't mean just one season works, uh, the next one does. Yes. Right? So uh, clearly, in your case, it did. So now you are in the Premier League. And uh, again, you know, let's uh, maybe just have a quick look at last season, which was as dramatic as can be, right? How, how you guys yes. stayed up there. Um, and of course, I stay alive. About where... uh, was, uh, I stay alive in my heart. I don't know, but it was uh, another huge experience. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it obviously all boiled down to the last day, as it was on the top end, where you know Liverpool and City were competing for the, you know, who wins the trophy, the title. And then you guys with several other teams on the bottom had that same, um, who goes up and who stays in. Uh, sorry, who goes yeah. down and who stays in. Uh, you know, again, just just talk a bit about it, those moments of, you know, when you guys won the final match and, uh, you know, pulled it out of the back at the end of the day, right? Because you were in the relegation zone on your last day of the game, right? The last match of the season. Yeah, until two minutes. I mean, we scored two, mi- two minutes uh, to the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, so, remember, 94 was, minutes uh, or whatever, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was it's an crazy. unbelievable experience. Crazy, crazy experience. So, <laughs> uh, it was yeah. a big pot on that game, and uh, luckily we won it. I mean, I hope I would never be in that position anymore. Uh, it, it was really, really hard. But yeah. it was also another moment that I, I enjoyed and I remember. In terms of unity of the team, of the group, um, the way the manager led the the team in those minutes, in those uh, hours before the game was uh, fantastic. And the, the 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 way we were together, we were uh, united in that in that week, in those day, in that day. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, also unbelievable. I keep with me as a great memory. Right. So, yeah, that's, those are the highs and lows because the, in what, the first season you came ninth, right? Which was always the amazing yes, uh, result. Yes, yes. But you know, we and, uh, we play a lot of the transition with uh, Marcelo Bielsa, which is a absolutely fantastic coach. He did a lot uh, for us, but also he is a is a coach that is very high demanding to the team and the players. And then, therefore, um, after a few years, uh, at the end, at the third year, everyone was consumed mentally and physically. So we, we needed a change, and the change maybe arrived a bit late, but on time to, to be saved and stay in Premier League. So it was a very hard season. I can imagine. Now, you know, just to, you know, whatever, uh, touch on it for a minute here. Currently, you're sitting there, what is it? I looked it up, um, you're 14th in the league. Uh, you know, you, you sort of, you know, one match, match at hand, and, and if you win it, you you basically up in the top sort of ten of the. the so you, you're right in the mix. I guess it's still early days of the season, anyway. What's the current sentiment? What, what do you feel? What's the feeling in the group? We 
I, I speak very regularly with the coach and uh, we feel that we, we are not constant in the performance uh, on the 90 minutes, but we have, we, we have played some good game, but where we didn't get points. Mm -hmm. So for sure there is something to do to improve. Uh, we need to score more goals. We need to produce more goals for the game we play. One example was the first half in Crystal Palace on Sunday, where we played a very good game. First half, we should maybe score two or three, but at the end, we didn't, and then we lost the game 2-1 right. uh, with a poor second half. So, this is football. So, yeah, it is also football. It's, a young team. Yeah, it's a young team. It's a young team that needs experience. We are the second youngest team in the league, okay. and a lot of players in our lineup is the first time playing Premier League. So, they, I'm sure they have a brilliant future, but these ups and downs are calculated and planning this season. Uh, we need to to stay strong and uh, wait consistency, create consistency. And I'm sure this team over the year will become bigger and better and better. This year, hopefully, I target we, we can be maybe uh, mid-table. Mid but uh, we need to improve and we need to start to make more points for the, the way we play football, which is quite good, Absolutely. I believe. Let's talk business again on the business side of it. You know, you have a partner with the 49ers, you know, an NFL football team. You, yeah. you know, and I think several other maybe investor groups as well there, but they are the, probably the most high profile ones. Um, I know they were there at the very beginning when you started, um, you know, when you were still in the championship. And uh, and now they topped up recently, right? Took a larger stake. Uh, yes. Talk a bit about that. You know, how did that start and, and why is an American football team in English Premier League football? But uh, obviously, Premier League is attracting a lot of investors, particularly from the U.S., Yes. where they recognize the, the value of uh, sports uh, investment, sports assets. And um, it, it was, uh, to be honest, um, an act, I mean, it was not planned. It was uh, an introduction done by a common friend between me and the president of the 49ers, Parag Marate. Mm -hmm. And uh, this relationship has developed as friends and business friends. And then uh, they, they expressed the interest to participate. So they enter and they support our project uh, from the second year um, with a small investment. And then when we reached Premier League, uh, um, they decided to they want a little bit more. So it was good for me to return some of my investment and in the meantime also use uh, some of these funds for the club and uh, continue to grow the club. So at the moment, we, with this process, uh, we are 56% uh, for, for Acer and 44% for the Niners, mm -hmm. um, but uh, as I said, also in other uh, circumstances, publicly, the, the 49ers have now an option in uh, starting January 2024 uh, to become majority shareholder. All right, um, and it's this uh, is it's, the club itself uh, who bought. It's not the shareholders of the 49ers. It's the 49ers itself are the the, the it's, your partners. It's right? a venture created by them. It's right. called the 49ers Enterprise Venture or something yeah. like that. Okay, is a is good is a um, basically the owners management of the 49ers plus some other investors from the Silicon Valley, other important relevant entrepreneurs from the Silicon Valley. So it's a solid group of entrepreneur and people and some celebrities that they are associated themselves to our club, our project. So uh, this makes me very proud and also uh, give us the, I think, the opportunity for a club like this to, to be um, um, to be growing with the leadership uh, mind and then all the time also from more from the 49ers and this group. Yeah. So all yeah. is good and we have a great relationship and we will continue to work together in other projects as well. 
Yeah, I think last time you mentioned as well that is obviously the combination of the your own expertise and, and of course the people around you from the media and you know let's say a certain commercial side of yeah. it and of course and uh, the 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 49ers and how they operate from their venue to God knows but that's quite a unique combo as well I guess of you know what you guys are bringing to the table here right Yeah yeah we have different skills and we're coming more from media marketing and finance they're coming more from stadium management and other merchandise so we Combination, I think, is quite good. We have a good fit, and then personally, we are we became very close. So when you have trust and and a good relationship, uh, everything was better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Andrea, we, we can we're slowly going to be wrapping it up here. Um, as usual, we could talk probably hours about different parts and you know our days together here in Asia, etc. But um, I know you you got to run now. Let's let's wrap it up with a little bit of your own lessons, um, you know, because you remember last time you shared some interesting things of what you feel, uh, you know, you would have done differently and or, you know, things you want to pass on to younger generations, you know, just share a couple of those thoughts with us. Um, look, it was, uh, it's been a great journey, my, my business life. Uh, and uh, what I can really share is that uh, for sure I've been bold. I, I took a risk and... Um, But sometimes people think I'm crazy. In reality, I, I try to always take calculated risk. I document myself. I study. I put a lot of work. I talk a lot to people, uh, business people, friends, colleagues, partners. And then I may I take risk. It's not that I blindly go into risk. But uh, also I have a, a kind of feeling that and vision. I think the vision and the courage and, uh, is very important in the business. So right. whoever, as a young entrepreneur, uh, As ambition, I think you need to keep in mind to be very committed, uh, work very hard, have, have a vision, and also be brave sometimes. That's very important too. Um, so that's what I will. Yeah, and, and people a, always talk about entrepreneurs. The difference between an entrepreneur and someone who works in a, in a business, even if you are the CEO of a large company, it is really the level of risk uh, people are willing to take. And clearly, you know, you've shown that and, and you just sort of explained it, that it is, at the end of the day, we all like to use that word calculated risk. It is all, you know, calculated is, a, is I guess, a measure of uh, how you measure that, how calculated is it? Yeah, right? maybe it, mine are less calculated than others, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, But, luckily so far that has worked in your favor and and on the back of it you build and no but they were reward desire so it depends everybody can decide no it's like uh, every investment have a part of risk and and uh, more you are risky more reward you can have and that's also coming with the that entrepreneurial life absolutely, so absolutely. It, yeah and you, absolutely but, done, but in every project because well every, every project i would say is a as a similar uh setup in terms of uh, how you create a culture in your team, how you say, create a togetherness in the team you work. Because at the end, you have a limit of 24 hours, so you can do a lot alone. So you need to have a strong team, dedicated team, that understand the vision and, uh, and deliver. So um, to, to do that is the, is the common um, element in all the businesses in different fields, from the football team to 11 to Antisimba, everything I've done at the end has been successful because... Uh, I was able to lead a great group of people that follow me unconditionally and, and deliver. That's mm -hmm. from the players to the manager. Yeah, nice. Now, I think the other one you mentioned last time was uh, a little bit, you know, when you were younger to now, um, the part where listening is becoming more important than just doing it your own way, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I change a lot. Always, this coming with maturity and, and uh, age, I think, <laughs> and experience and mistakes. And mistakes. So, obviously, at the beginning of, of the career, I was more a manager and I was uh, um, always want to do my do way, my idea. And now I learned, especially I learned, I think, since I, I created 11 uh, and doing mistakes where it cost me a lot of money, a lot of millions, several millions. Then I learned that it's better to listen and give much more um, importance not only to my thinking and my vision, but can be a compromise with the suggestion and advice of the management. And, uh, I think today, when I look at our management, our manager 11, uh, I've done definitely in this way, where my input is the vision, is the leadership, but everyday job is done by the management in full autonomy, uh, respecting their role. And uh, this is working very well. I've I done a great job with Angus and Victor Orta in Leeds. Um, I've done a great job with Mark, Mark, Mark Watson uh, and the rest of the management 11. So I think they are happy and um, they are loyal. They've been there for long year, many years, also because they feel this uh, autonomy and this independence from, from me on the day-to-day. Yeah, that's nice. That's good sharing. And again, these are important messages to, to for, for younger generations out there to hear. Now, let's finish off with a, on a little nice little soft note. And I know it's something which is close to your heart. Play for change, right? which is something you've started many years ago. Uh, obviously, so, you know, the little passion project there. You know, just just share a little bit what it is and, and how do others get yeah, involved started, what you're started, doing. Um, it started a long time ago, I think over 10 years ago, with the objective to uh, create a platform for um, uh, social uh, um, CSR and um, charity mm-hmm. using the relationship that I've built in my life in sports and media. Uh, so far, we have done some good projects. Uh, we have uh, developed some good sports program in uh, in, um, uh, in Nepal, in Asia, uh, in Napoli, in south of Italy, with a wafer foundation support at H&M. And uh, we've done other projects in the UK, in London, south of London. So we've been quite active, and uh, but there is so much to do, and uh, uh, hopefully we can continue to expand this project. Um, and uh, I will come also soon with another news that I will have a role in another uh, international charity linked to a top football uh, organization. So my time and dedication to social initiative will uh, continue, and actually I want to go in, and uh, they give much more of my... my um, myself into that exciting well from the looks of it you got plenty of things on your on your table here from your new role within the DAZN group I guess there as you said uh, as a board member and leading certain parts there and of course being chairman of Leeds United that alone will probably keep you busy so Andrea I'm gonna let you go here and again thanks for your time Uh, it was great chatting again and uh, I won't I'll miss you in Sportel this time but uh, hopefully we'll catch up somewhere else in the world soon yes and next time let me let's talk also a little bit more about our tech investment that are going very well we've done a few different investments in Sweden a digital marketing agency one in Qatar with the um, technology company dedicated to sports uh, advertising and um, and some others. So let's uh, grab yes. another another podcast for startup and new businesses. Absolutely, <laughs> more on the finance side. Thank awesome. you so much for your time and thank you for having me on your podcast. It's oh, an honor and we're very glad to connect. Talk to you later, buddy. Thank you, Marcus. Cheers, ciao. Bye bye, ciao. Bye-bye. The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Luer Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories 
All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Lure. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.